Hey everybody, this is Brian over at Mid-City Vineyard Church. Hey look, if you want to learn a little bit more about Mid-City Vineyard, uh, you can check out our website. That's at midcityvineyard.org. Or you can check out our Facebook page, Mid-City Vineyard. And then there's always Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. And uh, check it out if you want to learn a little bit more. Uh, this past week, if you hear loud noises, I'm sitting at French Truck Coffee on Magazine and all these cars keep passing by. So... Uh, but this past week, we were looking in the book of Acts, we moved over to the lectionary for the next couple of weeks, and this week, uh, when we were worshiping together for our discussion, we were looking uh, in the book of Acts chapter 9, and there's this passage where the apostle Peter raises this woman by the name of Tabitha back from the dead, and we were talking about the implications, uh, this whole idea that, that could Tabitha come back from the dead, and, and, and uh, what, what does that actually mean? And really, how do we find greater meaning in all of the stuff that we do? Because it's kind of fascinating. Peter is uh, credited for raising her from the dead, but what's really cool in this story is how Tabitha was a seamstress, and she created clothing and uh, good things for the women in the community. And uh, it's really about finding our gifts, putting them to use, and seeing how the world might continue to become a better, more beautiful, and grace-filled place. So... We're going to head on over to uh, the conversation for the day. Hope you enjoy. Much peace to you. But today we're going to look in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. If you have a Bible, you can open it. If you want a Bible, there's some Bibles there. If you need a Bible, you can take a Bible home if you would like to, to read that a little bit more. But in Acts chapter 3, or I'm sorry, it's Acts chapter 9. Let me read this passage to you. Keep in mind that Christ has come back from the dead. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. This is what the writer has to say. It says, Now in that time in, in a place called Joppa, there was a disciple by the name of Tabitha. Now her Greek name was Dorcas. And she was always doing good and she was always helping the poor. About that time, Tabitha became sick and she died and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, and so when the disciples heard that Peter was in the area, they sent two people to him and urged him, please come at once. So Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all of the widows stood around, crying and showing Peter the robes and all of the other clothing that Tabitha had made while she was still with them. And so Peter sent everyone out of the room, and he got down on his knees and he began to pray. And turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up, rise, open your eyes. And she immediately opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. And he took her by the hand, helped her to her feet. And then she called for all the, uh, he called for all the believers, especially the widows. And he presented Tabitha alive to them once again. <laughs> this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in that area uh, for some time. So, I don't know if any of you have ever seen anyone come back from the dead. I personally have not. Some of you have. Like, medical field kind of stuff? Like, you guys have really seen this kind of stuff? Yes, medical field. So, so I've not seen it. And uh, there's this interesting thing, though, that, that happens because 
when Jesus, the story of Jesus coming back from the dead that we, that we talk about every Easter, and we talk about it all the time, there's, there's, a, there's this idea behind it, and I've, I've understood this, that some people are like, well, all that Christianity stuff, I think I, you know, I, I like Jesus, I like the things he did, I like the things he taught, but this whole thing about him coming back from the dead, I don't know, and to that I say, yeah, I know. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's weird, it's, it's, it's strange, it's, uh, it's unseen, it's kind of like unheard of kind of stuff. Now, I personally believe it. But I would say to anyone who is struggling to even know if they believe that, I would say, okay, but is there another element of the story, even of Jesus' uh, resurrection, that is, is there intended to perhaps teach us something? And one of the things that we talked about at Easter is this idea that one of the things that the story of Christ coming back from the dead teaches us and conveys to us is that death is not the end of the story. That actually resurrection is built into everything. Resurrection is actually built into the very fabric of all of creation. Because Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians, he says, listen, if it wasn't for resurrection, then even Christ wouldn't have come back from the dead. So what Paul is saying is that resurrection from the beginning, the creator, the divine, has always built in resurrection to the very fabric of creation. So up until Christ walked among us, there was a general understanding that, well, this is just how the world works. You know, we would see certain things. Dead things stay dead. That's how we understand the world to work. The world works in a way that religious circles stay really small. The world works in such a way that only a select few have it right. That's how the world has always operated. The world always has operated that systems of oppression win the day. You know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and the powerful gain more power and the, the, the meek and the, the weak and the feeble, they're just, they're, they remain marginalized. That's how the world was understood. But then Jesus comes and Jesus starts saying things like, listen, here's, here's what you need to understand. The kingdom of God, God's way of operating the world, it belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Uh, the, those who mourn will actually find comfort. The meek ones will be the ones who inherit the earth. Now listen, I know Jesus would say, I know that goes against everything that you've ever been taught, but I'm here to tell you that things aren't always as they seem. And so the meek are the ones who will inherit the earth. The ones who long for justice will be satisfied. The merciful will find mercy. Micah, just let it be. We'll just leave a white screen. The merciful will, or we'll do that. The merciful will find mercy. Those who seek will find God. The peacemakers. Those are the ones that are, are God's kids. So like in Jesus' day, many of us, I would suggest, have kind of jumped on to this, well, we just kind of go along for the ride. It's, it's a get-along, go-along kind of world. That's just all, that's always how it's been done, whatever it is. That's always how it's been done. That's, that's, it, we live in a world where Humpty Dumpty is broken and it's impossible to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But do we? Because Christ has come back from the dead. And then what does Peter do? Peter walks into this room and there's this dead woman and Peter I, I, I wasn't there, but, I, but the account says that Peter walks into the room and he prays over this woman and she comes back from the dead. I think what this story reveals to us and what, what's happening here is that through resurrection, 
we now live in a world where Christ shows us that there's a world full of possibilities. Like, there are things that are possible. Like, there's, there's, there, there is a world that's full of life. There's a world that's actually literally full and filled with second chances. There's a world that is filled with goodness. I would go so far as to say that in, in many ways we live in a very benevolent universe. We live in an enchanted place that is buzzing with love and life and mercy and grace when we allow ourselves to practice and understand and move in the ways of resurrection, understanding that it's built into the fabric of everything. I was reading this one author recently, and she said, the entire earth is crammed full of heaven, and every common bush is a fire with God. You know, like, it just, just, just looking that the entire earth is filled, crammed, jam filled with divinity, and every bush is a fire with God. So here's how it might work, and, and I, would, I would encourage you strongly that at no point, if you ever are part of a church um, or a, a, any type of religious movement that asks you to check your brain at the door, I would always say, don't do that. <laughs> don't check your brain at the door. Uh, there, there are lots that, you know, I, question things. Ask the questions. Press into it. Use the mind that you've been given. And at the same time, we begin to learn what is faith. Because there is an element of faith where, and, and this is how I would, I would put this, is that there's an element of faith where I begin to accept in my own life the assumption that God is still working in the world. So I... I don't, I don't have to, to check my brain at the door. I'm like, no, that, like, scientifically, this is, this is pro pro probably quite impossible. But I also am a person who I'm accepting by faith that God is still very active in the world and that God desires to do things that bring goodness and bring kindness and bring mercy and bring glory and those kinds of things. And I also don't argue against science <laughs> when science, you know... Uh, says certain things like for 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 me i grew up in a in a in a time where you know uh, christians were always like the earth is six thousand years old and i was like but science tells us it's 13.8 million years old and i'm gonna go with that because you know it's science i like science is a gift from god it's it's and we need to study it and we need to learn it don't check your brain at the door would be my take on that but what is faith is to accept the assumption that God is still very active and God is still in the business of bringing restoration and bringing res reconciliation and bringing about change and bringing about goodness, restoring what is broken. And how does God restore a broken world? I think, one, through resurrection. And I don't mean Tabitha always rises from the dead right that moment. But new life can be breathed into dead things. Dead relationships can be revived. You know, broken stuff can be mended. But I think God also redeems and restores a broken world through sowing. Tabitha had a gift. Her gift was that she made clothes for the widows. When Peter comes that day, what happens? The widows show up and they say to Peter, Tabitha can't be gone. <laughs> she 
has a gift. She is a blessing to us. She makes these clothes. She provides for us. She takes care of us. Tabitha's niche in the world was sewing and making clothes and making garments and helping and taking care of the widows. Peter's niche was raising dead people, I guess. (laughs) But either way, neither niche is better than the other because they are both they are both evidence of resurrection. They are both evidence of life moving forward. They are both evidence of how God restores the world. Jesus raised somebody from the grave. Jesus did also. Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. I'm with you. Had William Wilberforce or Harriet Tubman not understood resurrection? Who knows where we'd be today as far as slavery is concerned if Martin Luther King hadn't really understood and all the preachers and, and ministers of that day had not really understood resurrection, where would we be? And uh, we'd, we'd be even further behind than we currently still are in the ways of racism and segregation. What about school shootings? You know, it's not how it has to be. It, like, I'm so tired of these things happening, and we're like, well, that's just the world we live in. It is the world we live in, and it doesn't have to be that way. There are things like, what, what, how does it move us? Where do we make a stand? You know, I, just all kinds of um, LGBTQ discrimination. It's not the way it has to be. Like, the, we're making forward movements, but it doesn't have to be this way. What about the weight that you're living under? The weight that you're living under from the, the abuse that you received as a child. like it. Well, this is just the way it is. Humpty Dumpty's broken. No, I believe, I really actually believe, and I act under the assumption that God desires to keep bringing restoration and healing in these areas. What does it look like for us to cooperate with what God is doing? I had a friend, um, an elderly woman who used to live next to a, a, a very, very, very poor school. And she would notice these children walking back and forth to school each and every day. And they used to be, they would steal fruit. She had all these fruit trees, and they would steal fruit off of her trees. And she, it dawned on her that these children must be hungry because they're, they're stealing the fruit, and they're not throwing at each other like they're, they're devouring the fruit. So she began to make sandwiches and have granola bars and bags of chips, and when the children would walk by, she'd meet them out by the tree, and she'd ask them to pick a piece of fruit, and she'd provide each one with a sandwich and a granola bar and, and, and a bag of chips for, for that day. And then when they came back from school, she would provide them with an after-school snack. It, she understood that things don't have to stay broken. Another friend of mine, uh, her, her daughter was in first grade, first grade, and her daughter was uh, stabbed in the arm by another girl with a pair of scissors. As opposed to losing her mind, she went to meet with the principal and said, what can I do and what can my family do? And we were part of a different church at that time. What can our church do to participate in and see that this kind of stuff doesn't, doesn't keep happening? Started an entire mentoring program in that school where mentors would go in and spend time uh, loving on children and tutoring children and, and playing basketball with children. I mean, started this entire thing that's been going on in that school now for 12 years. Tabitha made clothes. Peter raised dead people. What is our thing? What is your thing? Like This is the kind of stuff where you start to realize what actually is, is deep in my soul. Like what is, what, is, what is God doing here and, and with me or with this group of people? How does this, how does this look? And, and I know 
that people get bogged down sometimes. Well, I don't have the money to go to Africa to dig a well. Maybe that's not your thing. Is baking cookies your thing? And I, I'm, I don't think this is oversimplification here. Tabitha sewed clothes. It must have been kind of cool because she got raised from the dead. But it was, it was, I know a girl in our community right here that's starting a school. Um, she's starting a brand new middle school right down the street because through counseling and through <laughs> prayer and stuff like that, she started to realize that there was something deeply embedded in her heart that had to get out. Are we all going to start schools? No, but are some of us? I think we, Maybe. Maybe it's it's maybe yours is rescuing dogs, or maybe it's working for stricter gun laws. I, but what is it? There's 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 this stuff, and I just as a community of faith right here, I just want to continue seeing us press into what is the spirit of God doing with 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 me and with us, and and honestly, uh, if Ryan's got something deep in his heart, I don't. You know, the way we operate as a church, I don't necessarily think that Ryan has something deep in his heart, and so he brings it to me because I'm the pastor, and now I have to make it happen. No, I think that my role is to now help Ryan help make it happen because that's his thing. And, and maybe his thing involves, maybe there are like six other people who, who say, oh, my God, that's my thing. Like, I think that's something the Spirit's birthing in me. John Wesley used to pray, and I, I keep this on my bulletin board and this is how I'll, I'll finish this he would pray may I see the entire city governed by the rhythms of morning and evening prayers and psalm singing for the butchers the bakers and the candlestick makers whose work is all holy the butchers the bakers and the candlestick makers because all of the work is holy all of the work is holy because it's all moving towards a more restored more reconciled more beautiful world because this is what resurrection is. Resurrection is built into the very fabric. Well, I heard me a sound when I was just a child.